Brought to you by Roadcaster Pro. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mickey Rourke Talk, the discussion podcast where we take a look at the interesting, grandiose career of Philip Andre Rourke Jr. or Sir Eddie Cook or better known as Mr. Mickey Rourke. My name is Shane A. Bassett, your host, the movie analyst. And today's movie is one of my favourites. I saw it as a kid. Still like it. I know it has flaws, but we'll get into it. Desperate Hours from 1990. It could have been the house across the street. Hey, how about a kiss? He could have picked the family next door. Bye, Mommy! Michael Bosworth is looking for a place to call home. Just for a few hours. You called about a winter cover for your pool? What? No one's gonna hurt you. Okay, you're gonna learn to trust me. You have a daughter, May. How did she know her name? She's 15. Nora? Hey! under control. What do you want? I just want a place to relax. Bosworth is very intelligent, but we also know that he always reverts to violence. There's nothing we can do, May. No, I'm getting really angry. That gun the kid was carrying is registered to a Nora Cornell on Whitney Drive. Good evening. Attorney Nancy Pryor says it's a miracle escape killer Michael Bosworth did not kill her. He's not afraid to die. I'm scared, Dad. You know, I, I really like this family, but you're pushing my patience. Now, I could be inside that house in one minute. We're giving that family a chance. It's almost over, Timmy. I got this wacko on my side, so I think I can take him. Desperate Hours. There you go. That is uh, the retro trailer for Desperate Hours 1990. Not to be confused with the 1955 Humphrey Bogart thriller drama, The Desperate Hours, uh, which I've yet to see. I've not watched that movie yet. I know it's a classic and uh, I guess I need to revisit it. I've always known Desperate Hours to be the Mickey Rourke Desperate Hours not this uh, classic 55 Bogart one. Now, although part of the lineup here includes Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, Mickey Rourke has top billing in the opening credits, backed by a pretty good composed score by David Mansfield. He's a regular composer of director Michael Cimino, who's the director of uh, this version of Desperate Hours. Uh, Mickey movies such as Year of the Dragon and Heaven's Gate directed by Michael Cimino, also had David Mansfield's scores. And a 1987 movie called The Sicilian, not starring Rourke, but Christopher Lambert. He also did the score for Club Paradise. That was a comedy with Robin Williams, uh, Rick Moranis, Peter O'Toole, Twiggy was in that too, Eugene Levy. Um, But all I can really recall from that movie when it comes to the music was reggae. Uh, on the soundtrack, and uh, although I did like the movie, as I said, uh, reggae I don't really like. It's probably in the lower echelon of music I tend to listen to. Reggae, no thank you. Folk, no thank you. 
they're the two ones I always go to at the uh, bottom of the barrel if people ask me what sort of music do I like. Now, the Desperate Hours score is constantly impressive. And I'm not just saying that. I really like the vibe. Uh, it gives the movie. Uh, David Mansfield, he also co-wrote a couple of the uh, pop rock songs that appear in the film uh, by a Massachusetts musical superstar, I guess you could call her, Cindy Bullens. We'll see if we can have a little listen to some of her music from Desperate Hours a little bit later. Now, a brief synopsis on this movie revolves around Michael Bosworth, played by Mickey Rourke. He's an escaped con man, an embezzler. He's on the run from authorities. He bolts out of custody in a courtroom with the help of uh, lawyer Nancy Bryars, played by Kelly Lynch. Uh, she's also been in a one or two other Mickey Rourke films. And uh, his brother Wally, played by Elias Cotius, and uh, a ring-in mate called Albert, played by David Morse. Uh, this trio... They take refuge in a house, in a random suburban house to hide out, to sort of hide out, sorry, uh, until they get through Michael's preempted plans. Uh, they come into fruition eventually. Uh, they have to hang out with the un unsuspecting uh, Cornell family uh, and that causes all sorts of internal and external mayhem. The three fugitives then take over the household Fully, with, uh, I don't know, actual lasting consequences for the family on the home front when moving forward. It gets a little bit uh, emotional and personal. And uh, you see Anthony Hopkins' character, he's been a very naughty boy throughout uh, the preamble pre, uh, of the film. And uh, that happens to be part of the plot device used. <laughs> Torn apart Broken dreams And empty arms I can't believe We really took this love For granted But we Uh, there we go. As promised, a uh, little bit of uh, Massachusetts musical superstar Cindy Bullens. Uh, that was a pretty good song, actually. I might play some more of it shortly. It's called Fight For Me off the Desperate Hours soundtrack. I will run through the established ensemble shortly because there's quite a shopping list of good cast members on display here. Um, but let's get straight into Mickey as Michael. You see the back of his head almost immediately at the start of the film after the opening credits. Uh, then you see smart, smarmy, smooth criminal face uh, not long after. You know there's something running through his mind. Uh, most of the movie he's wearing uh, designer suits and shirts and ties, even a tuxedo at one point. Uh, he also wears a signature dinner jacket 
over a singlet look. Uh, he always seems to do that every now and then in movies, uh, and it sort of suits him, I've got to say. Armani, they contributed to Mickey's wardrobe, of course. You'll notice that almost immediately as well because of the classy threads he's wearing. Uh, while Charles DeCaro, he's credited as costumer. Uh, he probably supplied some of the little intricate details and, and um, additions to whatever the cast were wearing. Does Mickey smoke? Well, no, he doesn't. Uh, significantly, this movie is cigarette-free from memory, and I've seen it many times, so uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Feel free to send me an email. Okay, the cast. Let's begin with Mimi Rogers. Uh, she also appeared in the Mickey Rourke film White Sands. Now, White Sands seems to come up a lot. I like that movie, 1992 film. Uh, I have talked about it. I might talk about it again in another podcast, but uh, check out the White Sands podcast if you want on a previous edition of Mickey Rourke Talk. Mimi Rogers was also in Wedlock. I love that movie with Rutger Hauer, uh, the player Trees Lounge. Now, Trees Lounge is an interesting one, uh, directed and starring Steve Bashimi. Mimi Rogers was also in Lost in Space, the movie version, of course, not the classic television series. Mimi Rogers was also once married to Tom Cruise. Yes, uh, I think she was his first wife, actually. Uh, Lindsay Krauss is in this movie now. There's a familiar name. Uh, she plays Brenda Chandler. Uh, she's in Kroll. Do you remember Kroll from the early 80s, a fantasy movie? Oh, terrific. Seek it out if you haven't seen it. I think Umbrella Entertainment have it on Blu-ray in Australia. I'm not sure if it is streaming anywhere else. The Insider. She was in The Insider. Russell Crowe classic. Uh, Christopher Plummer directed by Michael Mann, of course. The Insider starred Lindsay Krauss. Uh, she was in a few episodes of Buffy. Uh, also in the 2002 film Cherish, which I really quite liked. Uh an unusual film but uh if you like things that are a little wacky and different and funny and bright with a little bit of emotion check out cherish from 2002 uh great roller skating scenes in it too anthony hopkins is in this movie as i said earlier sir anthony hopkins uh now silence of the lambs was a year after this from memory i think it was 1991 so he'd won the oscar after this not before this uh, he's made a million amazing, amazing films like Free Jack and Mission Impossible 2. Just kidding. They weren't brilliant movies, but he appeared in them. Actually, in Free Jack, he has a minimal scene, but he has a projection, which you can see, supposed to be in Australia. I think you can see the opera house in the background of one of his scenes. That's Free Jack. Uh, Nixon course he was in nixon as nixon uh shadowlands i like to always recommend people watch that if they like anthony hopkins because not many people have heard of it shadowlands titus was a shakespeare adaptation he popped up in noah of course with russell crow uh that was a darren aronofsky film who darren obviously directed mickey in the wrestler uh and recently, Anthony Hopkins was in the Westworld television series, which I really enjoyed. And a movie called Killing Mr. Heineken. There's another movie that a lot of people don't know that Anthony Hopkins was in. And very good film, small release. Uh, Ryan Quanton also stars in that movie, an Australian actor who has uh, appeared with uh, Mickey Rock and a couple of other movies. So we'll talk about Ryan when we get to Blunt Force Trauma and whatever else. 
Dean Norris is in Desperate Hours. He plays an FBI agent called Maddox. Dean Norris. Now, come on. Do you know that name? He is in Breaking Bad, of course. And Total Recall. For the sci-fi heads out there, 1990 version of Total Recall. He is in that. Very, very good actor, Dean Norris. Uh, Shawnee Smith. Now, she plays May. Oh, Shawnee Smith. If you know 80s and 90s movies, you've got to know Shawnee. Now, a lot of people might remember her from Saw, but before the Saw franchise came Summer School, Leaving Las Vegas. Yes, she was in that with Nicolas Cage. Who's Harry Crumb? Very funny, very funny indeed. Kind of like John Candy's version of The Naked Gun, Who's Harry Crumb, and female perversions. Shawnee Smith is in that. I've always liked her quite a lot for many years, even in the Saw films, but I do prefer those other films I just listed with Shawnee Smith. Great young actress, uh, just beautiful. And if you see her now, she looks exactly the same. Kelly Lynch is in this movie. Now, Nancy is her character here, and amazingly underrated actor Kelly Lynch. She's so good, uh, and always has been for such a long and glowing career. Uh, she's an aura of wonder, really, when you think about Kelly Lynch. My eyes light up. I just have to see her on a video cover, see her on a movie poster, see her anywhere in a magazine or whatever it might be. Kelly Lynch makes my eyes go really wide and glow. I think she's wonderful. Uh, she's also in Passion Play with Mickey Rourke. Um, and, I mean, she has a lot of cool credits uh a lot of retro classics like roadhouse three of hearts yeah roadhouse with patrick swayze three of hearts was good too uh kaboom that was a good film drugstore cowboy oh i'll never forget seeing that for the first time there's a great blu-ray version of that uh released on imprint if you uh, want to check out a really re great restored version of Drugstore Cowboy. Cocktail, of course, Kelly Lynch was in Heaven's Prisoners. Now, there's an Alec Baldwin movie that uh, not everybody knows about. Eric Roberts was also in that. And Warm Summer Rain. Now, I spoke about Warm Summer Rain in the nine and a half weeks Mickey Rourke talk episode. Uh, Warm Summer Rain is very hard to find, hard to watch. When I say hard to watch, I mean it is hard to find to watch. Uh, but check it out. I have a VHS copy. It was uh, a movie that was offsetted after nine and a half weeks became very popular because uh, a lot of those six dramas flowed after nine and a half weeks was such a big hit. Kelly Lynch. I wish I could do a whole tribute on her. I feel like I just did. And Mitch Glazer is married to Kelly Lynch and he directed Passion Play. Uh, the daughter is Shane Lynch. Kelly's daughter is Shane Lynch. That's my name too. Uh, she also appeared in Passion Play. Uh, and more recently, The Last Jewel, which was a Ridley Scott film that kind of came and went at the cinemas, but uh, it has a second life streaming on Disney+. Plus. The Last Jewel, if you get a chance to watch that one.
Ah, there he is, uh, Mr. Billy Idol. Uh, that was one of the biggest 1990 hits on the Billboard on the Top 40 chart for 1990, Cradle of Love. And that song featured in the movie The Adventures of Ford Fairlane Rock and roll detective uh, of course that had andrew dice clay in the lead role and andrew dice clay is good mates with mickey rourke and mickey appeared in the andrew dice clay television series called dice at least one episode maybe two i'm not sure a couple more people in the cast of desperate hours to mention elias cotius uh, this was the same year as his role as casey jones in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's correct. He was also in Look Who's Talking and Almost an Angel. Now, those two movies are on different ends of the spectrum, even though they're both comedies. Uh, Almost an Angel had Paul Hogan in it, of course. Uh, After his success of Crocodile Dundee, he made a couple of other uh, movies, including Flipper and Almost an Angel, uh, 1990, that one. Uh, And... That's four movies for Elias in 1990, including Desperate Hours. Pretty good, eh? And Some Kind of Wonderful. I always remember him from a 1987, uh, just a long continuing screen career he has going for himself now. Uh, David Morse, he's in this. He plays Albert. Uh, he was also with, Mick, um, with Sir Anthony Hopkins in Hearts of Atlantis a few years later. Eleven, in fact, with Anthony and he. Uh, he was in Indian Runner, directed by Sean Penn, who's also a good mate of Mickey Rourke. Uh, David Morse, he's another actor who's been around a long time. Uh, the late, great James Rebhorn pops up in Desperate Hours. He was also in White Sands. He made an appearance in that. Uh, the same year, he popped up in Basic Instinct as well. The same year as in this year, 1990. Uh, he's one of the greats in my world. Um, before his passing, he did so many awesome movies uh, in small and big roles. Uh, always, remember, always remember him when you see his face, James Rebhorn. Deborah Zane was the casting assistant on Desperate Hours. She's an absolute legend when it comes to top-notch film career casting. It's a name uh, that is popular in Hollywood. Zane, of course, Billy Zane. Lisa Zane and Deborah Zane, who I believe is not related to those other two Zanes. She's not only a legend, she's often overlooked an overlooked legend. Uh, it's an occupation that a lot of people don't sort of take notice of, unfortunately. Some of the movies that Deborah Zane has contributed casting to are Mickey Rourke film White Sands. There's that movie again. Uh, the television, well... It was inspired by the movie, uh, Get Shorty. She did the casting for that, which is just incredible. There's a great television series about Get Shorty as well. Uh, Fear. Now, that is an early Mark Wahlberg film, and uh, Wally was still known as Marky Mark. So for her to cast him in that movie and look at his career now, he's a terrific actor, and he proved it in that movie, Fear. Uh, early in his career with Reese Witherspoon. And William Peterson was also in that too, from memory. Uh, the Last Seduction, Wag the Dog, American Beauty. These are just more movies that Lisa, uh, sorry, Deborah Zane has done the casting for. Ocean's 11, 12 and 13 and 8, Pleasantville uh, and 
Charlie's Angels, the most recent one with Kristen Stewart, which was uh, actually underrated. Think about some of those ensembles, would you? Unbelievable. And as I said, on a side note, not related to iconic Billy Jane uh, and his sister, Lisa Zane. Uh, I think uh, Deborah Zane is magnificent. Uh, yeah. Unless it's a distant, a distant relationship, you never know, or um, not relationship, but family background. Now, I haven't mentioned the director too much as yet. Uh, Oscar winner for uh, the 1979 movie The Deer Hunter, Michael Cimino. Uh, he won uh, Best Director and it won Best Picture for Deer Hunter. Uh, good movie, but a tough watch. Uh, it's a movie I put into the category tough watch. He directed Mickey three times, actually. Uh, Desperate Hours, of course. Heaven's Gate. Uh, this was a notorious flop and will be discussed in a future episode of Mickey Rourke Talk. Uh, and You're the Dragon. He directed that. Uh, I loved both of those. I actually really like all three movies that he directed Mickey in. Um, they must have had a really loyal uh, and tr of trust and, and understanding because I think I recall Mickey in a rare interview once uh, talking up his fondness of Michael on set as a filmmaker, as a person, you know. Um, was it true though? I mean, in all three movies combined, it looks like it is. They have a really good chemistry. Um, they're all different all effective. Yeah, uh, I think Michael Cimino, the late, great Michael Cimino, he and Mickey did have a great friendship and understanding. But who knows, unless you talk to Mickey himself, that is going to be something that um, won't get answered, I assume. Look, I saw Desperate Hours at the cinema. Yes, that long ago uh, at a complex in Sydney in George Street. I was there last night, actually. Uh, I saw the new Scream movie. I also own a really good VHS copy, good quality, and a DVD of it. Uh, it is not on Blu-ray as far as I know at the moment, and uh, the MGM DVD has no extras or bonus features. Uh, it is streaming on Stan in Australia, but uh, I'm not sure where else in the world you can watch it. I'm pretty sure it'll be readily available. So there is a Sydney Bullens and uh, 
formerly known as Cindy Bullens, a fantastic Massachusetts singer. She, he is amazing. And that song, Breaking the Chain, was part of the Desperate Hours soundtrack. But you got to listen carefully to hear it, that is for sure. Some of the, uh, some of the things that I want to talk about at this movie that is worth noting. Mickey as Michael. Well, he's seems to always be the smartest guy in the room. And as the tension builds, Mickey and Sir Anthony have some staggering confrontations. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that these two are brilliant actors bouncing off each other at work. I mean, Mickey's notoriously known for, um, you know, pretty much being by himself on movie sets. Uh, Who knows what happened uh, if they got to know each other or not. Mickey as Michael is, is, he's just a manipulator uh, he has some good scenes with all the family members, actually. Uh, Elias Cotius, the connection that he has with him as his brother, uh, that's definitely a highlight. Uh, also, Kelly Lynch. Uh, it's pretty obvious that her admiration for Rourke is out there for all to see. You can just tell. Um, they're friends and professional actors giving it all, even back then, because this was long before Passion Play uh, you brief, briefly see Kelly Lynch's character uh, uh, in Nancy's apartment, which is just a picture of pure 80s design. Absolutely loved her apartment in this. I wish we spent more time there. Um, some other things. So Anthony's character is holding a baseball bat at one point, which is a gift to his son, Zach. Uh, it comes back later in the film. Uh, speaking of Zach, uh, he's the weakest in the movie, unfortunately. Uh, the child actor is not good all and I mean there are some really good child actors out there that are impressive uh, and go on to big careers but uh, I unfortunately have to say that uh, this child actor does not make an impression on me in desperate hours and I've seen the film at least 30 odd times over the last 30 years. Uh, so Anthony's accent is all over the place his American accent too often to take it seriously but honestly uh, who cares it's Anthony Hopkins. Uh, and there's editing problems throughout. It's just jumpy. I mean, there might have been some scenes deleted, but the jump cuts are all too apparent at times. David Morse's character, Albert, is annoying. He's docile. I know he's meant to be, but it's very tricky to like that guy at all. And, and yeah, it's interesting character development from David Morse there as Albert. What else? Well, there's a quote uh, by Mickey as Michael, and it is, the man is not a gentleman unless he can make a pa- proper martini and tie a real bow tie. To me, that sounded a bit Bond, James Bond. Or arrogance, you be the judge. I did notice recently for the first time watching this movie, when I say for the first time, it is the first time I noticed something that I hadn't noticed before, and that was green carpet on the stairs in the house. Very interesting. Uh, Yes, of course, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are green and Elias Codius, as I mentioned, was also in that film the same year as this. Often Michael uh, is calm, he's seemingly nice, but he proves that he means business. Uh, He shoots a visiting real estate agent point blank at one point and he also busts up a Sony Walkman. Now, I mean, now they're vintage, but uh, it was horrific to look at this Sony Walkman get crushed. It may have been a fake one. 
just used as a prop for the movie, but it looked real to me. One of the cool things that uh, I might mention is the Utah scenery. Wow, we honestly, this is especially cool in the opening stanza. The cinematography is broad, it's glorious, it's captured by Doug Milsom. Uh, He also worked on If Looks Could Kill, which is a very underrated Richard Grieco comedy, spy teen comedy. I think it was called Teen Agent at one point. Uh, But If Looks Could Kill, he also did the cinematography uh, breakdown, which was a great thriller. Another one of those really good thrillers that came out in that era of good thrillers in the 90s. Kurt Russell in Breakdown. And Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, he did the cinematography on that, Doug Milsom, and more. But the cinematography in this is definitely worth noting. Uh, some really nice shots around the countryside when they're outside of the house, of course. Uh, is Mickey suited to the role? Yes. Could Mickey have played an, another role, any other role in the film? Maybe the man of the house, Anthony Hopkins. Um, but part of his connection with Mimi would... You know, I think it'd still work. I, I do think you believe more of Anthony Hopkins having uh, been in trouble with Mimi Rogers' character, his wife, because he'd been playing up on her and cheating on her. So, yeah, no, I do think that's probably the only role that Mickey could, could have played. I, don't, I wouldn't have wanted to see him as one of the um, other criminals helping the main character out michael um but as michael bosworth he is custom made like i said i couldn't imagine anyone else playing this role and the director obviously probably wrote it for him wanted him in it um it's perfect and did i like it then like i like it now i think so uh, I still think it's worth a watch. I enjoyed it and it, and it made an impression on me, obviously, when I first saw it, and it still does now. It's a it's a typical crime mystery thriller with some decent action in it, lots of really good dialogue, but be warned, there's some jump cuts in there that I think they've shortened scenes or something. You know, it pans out to almost a, a, a perfect 90-minute film, uh, and it's a lower-budget fil- film, the Sets are good, but, you know, minimal, and that's okay. It's the cast here that are the most impressive and the cinematography and this music, of course, too, everything about it. So Desperate Hours, Mickey Rourke Talk edition is over. Thank you very much for joining me. Again, my name is Shane A. Bassett. You can find me, uh, Google my name, or you can uh, look me up on social media at movie underscore analyst. Instagram and Twitter, uh, YouTube channel. I think it's Shane Adam Bassett, movie analyst. I've got a lot of interviews and I'm looking at doing some other things on the YouTube channel. See who I've had a chat to over the last few months. Uh, And there'll be another edition of Mickey Rock Talk coming up soon. We'll be doing the Informers and Blunt Force Trauma. So I'll have a double feature on the way. Long live Mickey Rock. Bye for now.